Connesty, how are ye? Welcome to the Candlelight Tales podcast. Uh, my name is Erica. I'm sitting down with my brother Aaron. My name is Aaron, and we are sitting in the office to talk about myths and legends and stories, and above all, the kayak. Hags. Haggity hags. Hags and kayaks and kalyaks, and I'm not quite sure how to pronounce them, but they're well, listen. hags and crones and whatever else. They're all alone up there in the wilderness. First heard of kayaks from my friend Beulah, who's from Donegal. And so she says kayak, and so I say kayak. And other people say kayak, and other people say other things, and yeah. that's fine. That's fair enough. It's I'm going to say it the way I learned it. <laughs> no one see, you won't see things. Yeah, that's not the there right way. There are several different dialects on the island. There's a million different ways of saying it's stuff. It's totally fine. It's totally rand. This is a... Yeah, people can take issue with things. It's fine. <laughs> it is funny, though, when you hear something said, like when someone says, oh, that's Lug. And I'm like, it's Lou. I mean, I've yeah, always I heard Lou. And some people say Lug. And then some people say Kesser. And we say Sesser. And no, we say Kesser. Yeah, I mean, we used to say that. I was so confused. I used to say, Kessera, I used to say Cesar, and then I looked it up, and I was like, "Oh, that makes sense. I've been saying it wrong. There's no, there's no soft C's in Irish. Oops. There's no reason it should be Cesar at all." Oops. But again, that was that is part of the complication of relying on an oral tradition mm-hmm. is that I tend to go to the version that I first heard mm-hmm. of these stories, and I first heard Cesar, and I first heard Kalyuk. So why are we talking about the kayak in summertime? Yeah, we're a little bit out of step, aren't we? But I I always think that, you know, the kayak is an interesting one because she's, her opposites are contained within her. Ooh. You know, if you look at the wheel of the year, there's, and I I think especially like, it's the end of summer. Oh man. It's harvest season. We've just had some terrible heat waves, which is the most death-inducing thing that I've ever come across. I mean, I think it was great. It's disgusting. Yeah. And it's global warming. You know. And, and even if it wasn't global warming, I would still hate it. You would. You Because I hate heat. I'm, can fucking I'm a die. little bit on the fence about it. I'm like, I, I mean, it is very nice to be warm like this, but you just turn up the temperature a bit. Here is great because it's kind of, you know, very bland usually. But other countries that are already hot, it's like, ah, for fuck's sake, lads, turn it out, turn it out. Yeah, but no, that was too much. It was a bit much. No, I will say, you mentioned the harvest and we had an amazing, we had an amazing week for the harvest moon this year. And it was a couple of weeks ago, uh, as we were recording this podcast, it'll be about a month or so when we No, I think this. this is going out pretty soon. Oh yeah, it's going out tomorrow. <laughs> um, we, are, we are wildly behind on podcasts, everybody. Sorry about that. Oh, yeah, sort of missing out. We up. pulled a Hegarty <laughs> and we forgot how time works, which is a thing that happens to us kind of a lot. Kind of a lot, yeah, kind of a lot. To um, the eternal frustration of everyone who works with us. Sorry, Alan. Sorry, sorry Alan. Sorry, Alan. Um, um, sorry, we, everybody who was expecting a podcast last week also. My bad. Our bad. Our bad. It's fine. Uh, Anyway, I, I immediately said I'm sorry, and then immediately it was like it's fine. <laughs> but also, like it's it's a free podcast. You're fine. <laughs> um, so the the Harvest Moon though, I had an amazing uh, experience up in La Crew. So I was up there. Uh, yes. A friend of, friend of mine. Uh, oh, that was Pinky chair. That was the squeaky chair. <laughs> that was a fart noise. That was a fart noise. We all know that it's a squeaky chair. Uh huh. But it's a fart noise. But it is a fart noise. So. Sorry, you were having a beautiful farty Moments. experience on the full moon. <laughs> it was. It was quite noisy. Um, that experience. So up. In, it was my first time in La Crew. So I hadn't mm. been to La Crew before, and I we were up 
telling stories in, in Mead across six different libraries. and To the kiddies. To the kiddies. And it was beautiful. It's such a nice place to see the landscape, to see the hills, the lakes, the rivers. The, it just, it is Province gorgeous. of kings. It kind of is. I kind of get it now, you know. You're mm-hmm. like actually spending enough time there. Um, mm-hmm. And so uh, a friend and a collaborator, um, mm-hmm. uh, Seamus O'Doodle on, on uh, Instagram, as he's known. You'll find our collaboration with him as part of the three videos we did for Imbolc this yep. year. And Bridget. And Bridget. Here. The stories of Bridget. So we collaborated with three artists and Seamus was one of them. Yeah. And he invited me to stay and have a little look at La Cruz since I was in the, in the locale. I sure couldn't turn that down. And in fairness to him, he gathered a great group of men and lads just together to drink tea, sit around a fire, tell stories and connect and talk about forestry, re-bringing traditions, breath work and kind of collaborations that how we, how you get past the mental mundane aspect of of everything and you know it was a really nice time and i think you know men don't tend to do it enough yeah and uh, do you know with all that man stuff is important it's just humaning you gotta do it and the crows agree you know crows, they're, they're seagulls they're fully seagulls but they do agree they're definitely seagulls yeah <laughs> i might call them birds and the crows came out of mouth. yeah you got uh, crows on your mind you got for, different your mouth. Reasons, for different reasons related to different projects that we're not talking about today so many projects so many projects which is great so, it's great it's not at all overwhelming and the reason everything is late <laughs> we went up uh and we got there and uh i suppose we're out on the floor we're chatting away drinking tea and talking and we're like, we should probably go up before it gets too dark. So we want to go, we want to be shown around and I wanted to see it. Of course, by the time we got going, it was, it was dusk was settling and it was getting dark. And, you know, it was, we, I hadn't been there before. So I wanted to, the following morning I got up and, and had a look properly, but I didn't get a chance to, to see everything in the daytime. And it was clear skies, beautiful. Small bit of, of clouds were just coming in after a week now this had been a really hot and clear skied week in Ireland which is very very rare in the middle of summer it was just a heat wave and this was the first day where we had a bit of clouds mm-hmm. and it was nice to see that kind of blanket coming back to be honest it was like ooh so anyway walking through the field I stupidly didn't even bring shoes I bring these flip flops so I walked through barefoot and uh, Dwayne of the Wolf Academy what a man what a man anyway um, he was there walking barefoot and he was like yeah it's fine until you stand in a thistle you're like fucking thistles um, walking barefoot at night is very good though because your feet is. find the path they do like if you're actually walking especially if you're walking I used to do that in, in, in Guatemala yeah, a lot yeah like, yeah yeah because you, you're kind of more you, you are you are able like you're able to feel the path totally which you're yeah. not in sandals or I get to a point where just, yeah do, like you're able to it's you, if you can't trust your eyes, your your feet, if they're tough enough, well, you're, 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 you're totally. So we're walking across, and we walked up to like a couple of the mountains that were just beautiful, and like the, the sun was setting, had that kind of golden glow about it, and it was just beautiful. And we kind of again, uh, there's a place you can kind of get into, uh, like one of the like, there's a few that have been excavated, uh, uh, the stones there and La crew. There's a whole cairn that was dug, and yeah, and, and this was it's kind of shit of it, like. There's Climbing up on that bare feet was tough going. Down. There's a whole lot of like, um, you can see the archaeology, the development of archaeology in Ireland through yeah. the passage tombs in some ways, because like the yeah. original lads were just these kind of, you know, gentleman explorer types, like fucking hobbyists. And they'd but knock like, into the... They just knock straight into the roof. And so as soon as you knock into it, you've destroyed it. Yeah. And it's all open to the, to the elements and it's all going to get weathered away. Totally. And then you had the people you know, later when they were more carefully excavating places like Newgrange, but then they were like, let's fix it. Let's make it fixed. Yeah. 
according to what mm-hmm. we think it looked like, which, of course, then, it, it, you know, double meaning of fixed. They they fixed it into what they thought it looked like. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Well, again, like the, 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 the But also did a better job of preserving it. But mm-hmm. also there's still a lot of like, there's still a lot of damage happening to that monument because people going in and out of it damages it. Constantly, yeah, yeah. And, you know, look, this is where I'm going to like, I won't say exactly which moment it was, but we did go into one of them. Uh-huh. And it was it was beautiful. It was serene. It was just gorgeous. And suddenly, and it, like I said, it was clouded. So suddenly, kind of a, we were looking at the doorway and we realised the moon was rising. And the moon rose just above the hill. And now, this was, was there six of us? all of our heads it was this beautiful little dance of watching the move between this doorway of us just kind of shifting moving to get a different view of it and we all watched the, the moon rise and it was red it was a red harvest moon mm. it was just two days after being full and it was just huge still and like that whole week i went swimming and seeing the moon as much as i could and but we were all watching it from this ancient area and it was only in the frame it was dead bang in the middle of the frame, so like on the axis, it was just pointed towards the, towards the the harvest moon, which is kind of amazing. That um, that's you know, pretty fucking cool. And it, it rose up, and in the length of time that we were there, and we we had a big lovely chant. It was kind of gorgeous, and you know, it was just we were just basically holding at the moon. But as the moon rose, it disappeared into the clouds, and and it was darkness again, mm. you know. And it was obviously it was didn't give us a huge amount of light. But it was just the full moon gives you a lot of light when you're in the countryside, and just the, the difference between it being there and a not lot. there. And so obviously we kind of came out. We we're all kind of, um, it, it was beautiful. It was beautiful, and we kind of came out and stood in the fields and walked around another couple of the cairns and just like basked in the glow of that that powerful energy. Mm. And then just to think of, my God, how, like, how old was it? What were they doing back then? Were these places of ceremony? Were these places of of ritual or just tombs or just li- left alone? But there's so many of them all dotted around mm-hmm. there. You kind of, you have to expect there was some form of ritual aspect to it. And you don't know. Just the ritual of looking at the moon yeah. as, as a group of people. And in this case, men just watching the moon rise and just something kind of ancient felt, you know, alive inside of us. And we were just like bonded for that experience to be part of that kind of holistic ancient ritual of watching the moon mm. and, and from such a sacred old site that had obviously been doing it for so long the people who built that had also been howling at the moon or yeah. looking at it and calling well it they've certainly been looking at it yeah 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 you whatever know. way they were doing it exactly are relating to absolutely it. and like so. that whole relationship well like that's you know i think it's it's something really interesting about those monuments because they weren't built by the Celts. Mm-hmm. You know, they were they were the thing. They were why the Celts thought of the two headed Adonis as the people under the hill. That's yeah, th- because totally. hills. There are these like eerily regular hills in Ireland, and like you can see it from drone shots. You can see it from above very very clearly, but you can actually see it in the landscape as well when you're looking around because you'll see there'll be a hill and then there'll be a mound on the hill that is perfect. Totally. And, and like, it's, it's from really, miles away. From miles away. You can see it really obviously and you can see like all of those areas of so many of those sites in, in Meath and in, in the kind of heartland of Ireland and the middle of Ireland and the west of Ireland. Um, but especially like in La Cruz. there's a like, huge amount around did, the Boyne Valley. Yeah, in huge, the Boyne Valley. Huge, yeah. huge, huge amount huge around amount. there. Um, 
And there were more discovered over lockdown. Again, due to drought. Uh, and people flying drones because the, the grass was all dead. Wow. So with the wow. grass all dead and the crops all dead, they could see these um, ring-shaped indentations uh, showing up in aerial shots. So like, there's just an incredible wealth of, of archaeological stuff there. Incredible. Um, and I guess, you know, the it's funny to, to go and appreciate the harvest moon, you know, now in Lunasa in August going into... Essentially, you can see the leaves on the trees turning. You can. Well, they're turning fast now because they're dry. Yeah, but even even in, even in the start of August, like there was a turn, there was flowers were dying. That like. Oh yeah, uh, I mean August. August is the it is the time of abundance in this country because that's when the first harvest is. Yeah. But it's also the time where like. You the know, air changes. The air changes a little bit, and it's kind of it's only starting now to be to to change a little bit. You're starting to feel that little bit of like. There's a little bit of autumn in the shadows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's getting dark that little bit earlier. It's, it's not fucking in, yeah. bright it's till 11 in, yeah. p.m. anymore, yeah, 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 yeah. which is what makes heat waves in Ireland so punishing is that the sun stays for such a long time. Um, so like, yeah, it's it's I think in August you get the you get the feeling of the shadow of the Kaliuk is kind of it wa- appearing. And it was particularly powerful with that, like that, you know, amazing amount of sunshine that we had that week and the moon being so bright and it just being constantly bright you'd be going half yeah. demented like well which um, to, like that's what I said like to me that is like I did not have a good time <laughs> no you did not <laughs> but also, like bad. I don't enjoy the heat at yeah, the best yeah, of times yeah, particularly yeah, yeah. I like I would rather be cold uh, I would rather be too cold than too hot all of the time every time given Cover. any choice every exact time. opposite exact opposite but like it's that, it's also insomnia, it's also like oh, yeah, no. not being able to sleep in the heat, it's also our design, our houses being designed to keep the heat inside, mm-hmm. so all of our buildings are designed to keep things warm, so there's no real getting away from it. Um, but it's also, you know, I mean, for me, there's a real portent in those kind of weather events now, mm. because this is, this is the acceleration of climate change. Yeah, no, it's true. This is all of those things that people were saying, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago was like, this is your, our children are going to be dealing with this. And now we're the children and we're dealing with it. Do. And like people still aren't, mm. you know, so there's kind of, there's death in the sunshine for me. And, and I, there's, there's, you know, these kinds of heat waves, as well as being something that I experience as being just like generally unpleasant. It are also so out of step with what would like the cycles of this planet mm. you know this is an aberration mm. and we know it is because you know we, we're all having more of these extreme weather events totally. and they're happening around the world because it's a global problem yeah, yeah. and it's a global phenomenon and like it's just you know for me again that like so to to explain why I keep talking about death well <laughs> it's the kayak the kayak is kind of the the she's not a grim reaper but she is a kind of an embodiment of death yeah in a lot of the stories yeah and sometimes she's associated with the morrigan who's the kind of goddess of battle rage and sometimes she's a prophet of death and she will foretell death and a lot of the time she turns up and she foretells death Mm -hmm. but she also has this extraordinary transformational quality where she turns from hag to beautiful maiden and back again in different stories. So like some of the stories we've told about a Nile of the Nine Hostages, which is one Classic of our example, yeah. 
you know, a very popular story on the podcast because a lot of people claim descent from Nile and from and from the the, yeah. the kings of Ireland. Um, specific, specifically Nile of the Nine. Specifically Nile of the Nine. Um, uh, clearly, he got around. So yeah, fair play to him. Slutty Nile. <laughs> slutty Nile, we like to call him. Yeah, yeah. Gross Slutty Nile. Um, so, <laughs> but like in that story, the hag turns into a beautiful young woman. Of course, she and she's the she's the goddess of sovereignty. And then there are other stories like the story of Mongin, where the the beautiful young woman turns into the hag. Mm. And there are these kinds of reversal stories. And there's also this idea that uh, from from in, like the, there's four there's four major festivals in the Celtic kind of wheel of the year. Lunasa is one of them, which is we're in the month of Lunasa now. In the month of Lunasa now, and they are in between equinoxes and solstices. Mm-hmm. So the solstices are the longest days and longest nights, and the equinoxes are the times that are equal. Shite, why do that? Are you enjoying yourself? There? No, I was going to grab this to give a little. Uh, so oh yeah, that is also a circle. There is nothing to do with what I'm talking so, about. So I mean, if you're looking at on YouTube, <laughs> no, but like they're, they're the equinox. Sorry, they're the um, so solstices. They'd be the solstices. And they're the equinoxes. They'd be the equinoxes. And then the festivals. If that's winter and that's summer. Well, let's 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 make that summer and that winter. Okay. Because that makes more sense in my head. Because the why sun would is you, at the top. And the why winter. would you do that? Usually, it's drawn that way. I go clockwise and start with Imbolc. <laughs> no, you're gonna start with that one. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Because um, that one is, so we're no quibbling oh, about we're visual aid that so we're drawing in our imaginations. So there's solstices, there's equinoxes. In between at the midpoint of each, and they're always on the first of the month, so they're easy to remember, are the Celtic festivals. First one is Samhain. Samhain is the second, the final harvest, the last harvest, and it's the start of winter. And it's obviously coming up, you know. It's coming up. People know it now as Halloween, yeah. but in Ireland it started as Samhain. The next one then is Imbolg, yeah. which is the 1st of February. And it is, that is the Kyliuk's particular time is between Samhain mm-hmm. and Imbolg, yeah. which is a short enough slice of the year. But it's, it's only, it's a quarter, but that's like the winter. It's that's the hardest. The hardest time harshest. of year. It's the harshest. It's the deathiest. But <laughs> it's again, the deathiest. There's that whole idea of Imbolg being the time that the Kyliuk turns again to the maiden. Yeah. And I love that turning because it's the turning of the cloak, it's the turning into Bridget, it's the bringer of life, it's the reversal of life and death. It's that cycle that happens anyway and continues. Mm. And, and it's it's also that, that like that day night cycle that you get in Celtic um mm-hmm. kind of thought of like the wheel of the year is like the wheel of a day is like the wheel of a month that you have a dark half and a light half of everything. Yeah. So if you think of the month and, you know, particularly connected to the moon, you have a bright half of the month where the moon is full and close to full and you have a dark half of the month where it's new and close to new. Um, and then you have the dark half of the year, the light half of the year, somewhere in winter, you have night the dark, you have the night and day. And then there's also, that goes out to the idea of like, there are light years and there are dark years. Yeah. And there are light decades and there are dark decades and there are light periods and there are periods of darkness. So it's this whole kind of idea of there constantly being movement and constantly being flux. But also we are always part of a cycle and death is part of that cycle and rebirth is also part of that cycle. But like death is never not there. So I think that's kind of, you know, when I'm thinking about things like 
climate change and our ability to wipe ourselves off the planet, the thing that kind of, you know, it's, I think it's really, I think it's really easy to get into despair about that. Sure. I think it's really easy to yeah, kind of see no the scale of that and go, okay, we're absolutely fucked. Mm. Can't do anything. Therefore, anything we do isn't worth it. Yeah, and get into helplessness. and problem. Which, like, the thing is, there's a part of me that's like, that might be true. <laughs> like, that actually genuinely might be true. There might be nothing we can do. But, like, I will have a better life if I believe that my actions have some kind of an impact. Even if it's not entirely true. Sure. But my life and the lives of the people around me will be better if I live with purpose mm -hmm. rather than despair. And, and integrity the, in that purpose. And integrity well. in that purpose. And the only chance we have of survival is if we live with purpose and integrity. Yeah. Because if we all give in to despair and we only let the people who are deluded into thinking nothing is happening fucking run amok and run the show, then we are doomed. And it's also a reminder for me that like these, they're almost kind of primordial beings in the sense when you think of the kayak and the winter or the like the harbinger mm. of death. It's like, it's not just the banshee calling and prophesizing uh, death. It's like the person that will meet you always. You will always meet death in many mm -hmm. different ways and guises because you'll see, you'll meet her as, as she takes your friends and your family away and you will eventually meet her yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's not the grim reaper. It's just the ever present sense of grief and death that's always there and like it's always going to be there it's always going to be there and it's like it's how do we hang our or hold our heads high rather than hang our heads in despair while that cloud is always going to be there and that idea of okay there's a cloud but it's not the whole sky like yeah you know there, there's a wind there's a winter wind there's a winter but, wind but i also think that the the hint in how to deal with it as well as in the story because yeah. if you kiss her she gentles <laughs> Whereas if you brace and you, you fur yeah, if you, you fight her, fight her, or you try and possess her, and again, you're fucked. That's the story. I mean, you know, the story of La Crew is is the fact that you know it's that kind of it's the story of making sense of a landscape, mm. making making an understanding like the like the Celts coming here and seeing. Oh, hang on, there was people thousands of years ago here, or like it looks Honestly, like people are living still underneath the hills. It's, so it's kind of an explanation story bit. It's kind of it's the closest that we get to kind yeah. of a, a you know an explanation story in in Irish myth of like this is why this is the way it is. Yeah, yeah. And we talked to Russell about that actually in an interview that will be coming out at some point about the the absence of. Porqua stories in Irish myth. Yeah, yeah. But like yeah. that's the I think that's kind of the closest to it that we have. And it's not even really that kind of story. It's just like this is the explanation for the landscape, as you said. Yeah. And I suppose like the fact that she leaves, she drops the stones and you know, does she die at the end? You know, you know, some say she does. She's similar to Boan or Taltu for dying and, and, and doing something and being remembered as the location. But I love how you ended it like you know, these things never die really. Yeah. The kayak can never die. To me, she's not a Death she's not die. she's not person enough to die. Yeah, like she's in the stories that I know her of. She's such a kind of a figure of incredible power, but like she's not. And this is not true of most of the sort of Tuatha characters in Irish myth. Most of them are quite person like, most, mm. most, like your know, Boan's a river, but she's mostly a lady. Mm -hmm. Um, like, and she's a kind of she's a woman you can sort of relate to like she's a she's a person with emotion she's a person with curiosity and desire and things like that whereas totally. the kayak 
kind of stands a little bit outside of that. And like, you know, she does have desires and she does have rages and she does, you know, go for things and she does strive for things. But there's something a little bit ungraspable about her for me. Yeah. Yeah. And I also feel like I would I would prefer not to at this point in my life, not to wrestle with her too deeply. No, and I, I think I feel like she's one of those one of those ones that looks back. Yeah. <laughs> well, again, like kind of looking at the story of Ku Cullen, who, mm. you know, I think it was a really interesting, you know, step into that story because I told that live to a great, you know, kind of energy and fun and, and the fact that Ku Cullen couldn't look at the kayak because she had the, you know, the hair of her pubic hair was, you know, along the ground underneath her skirt. Which is actually it. from the uh, uh, Conor Moore story. Yeah, well, like, I just put that into every... But you every, know, you put it into every kayak story because it, it kills. <clears throat> so, you know, you put it in... And everyone's laughing and growing and, oh, God, she's so rotten and she's there trying to kiss you and, like, oh, God. So that's all well and good and funny and the description of, of old age and cronism and the kind of disgust of the, the kayak or the crone or the, the old hag. And it's the disgust <clears throat> of age and ageing bodies and disability and, and, you know, all of that, like... You know, when you dig into why that's funny, it's kind of gross. It's kind of it's gross. Funny. It's kind of, well, like, again, it's, but it's just, it's, it's, it's holding a mirror up, really. It's kind of, oh, going, yeah. do you find it gross? Well, oh, well, yeah, no. but like, we do find it gross. We do, absolutely. But like, we find it gross because. Interrogate it. Interrogate it. Have a look. Why is it funny? And the, the, you know, you mentioned Nile of the Nine, Connor Moore, the, the kings, and the, the ones who, who can face, and, you know, Dermot and Grant, and Dermot, uh, of the Fianna, when he goes under, under wave, um, you know, he meets the kayak, he, he kisses her. They're able to be kingly, step above pride of their, their own self to, to look, not be looking down on someone like the kayak or the hag and deeming them less desirable, but just giving themselves to the moment of their presence and their, their companionship in a way that gets past the, kind of the outer layer of their visible presence well i also think if it, there's a there's probably a Jungian perspective on that as well in that it is it is you know the king is supposed to have to unite with the feminine mm -hmm. and there's often like when we think of the feminine particularly in a in a very patriarchal setting it's pretty and soft and accommodating maiden yeah and it's maiden and actually the king has to contend with the whole of the feminine which is also devouring destroying death giving winter and you know that aspect of the kind of horrifying feminine which shows up in a lot of mythology you know you have all these like there's so many female monsters that are female from the waist up which really tells you how like I mean, it really says a lot about that whole like body disgust like the body horror of like ordinary female anatomy is actually really high in kind of cultural stories. Yeah. Like you think of the mermaid, like yeah, she's got a fish totally, tail. Totally. Um, and she's got, she's got pretty tits. So like, you know, she's got the nice half of lady and the ugly half is, is, mm. is monster. And there's like, you know, there's, there's mermaids and there's lamias and there's all these kinds of creatures that have monstrous lower halves, which is really interesting. And I think the kayak and her, you know, her embodiment of all of the things that are gross and horrifying and frightening and intimidating about the feminine. Mm -hmm. And again, that kind of like the feminine in all of us. Totally. Yeah, 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 yeah. Aspect of like the whole, the totality of it and the totality of us as humans having to grapple with 
as you know, here's something our that, own bodies aging and decaying and getting gross and smelly. So here's something I'm grappling with in terms of just the aging process. And like, okay, so you've the, the maiden, the mother, and the crone. Is it kind of like the the pretty and the beautiful, the the stepping into power and like you know being a mother, and then you know stepping into being an elder, essentially mm-hmm. is what the crone, the hag, would be in. Um, and and you know, I suppose kayak could be could also be seen as like a derogatory kind of uh, a name to call someone slanderous. Well, it's, like a, it's not oh, actually. It's, it's quite a. It's it's it. Like again, I heard this from my friend from Donegal, and kayak is just what you what you call an old lady. Right. Like it's actually not an. It's not at all an insult. It's kind of a, a respectful term where she comes from. Yeah. Again, depends where it's from. Like, I I I would have heard that and kind of kind of assumed like a yeah vicious fucking. Kayak. Yeah. Well, no. I mean, in English, <laughs> yeah, old hag is a yeah. fucking insult. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But here again, we hit against a little interesting. So, thing. what's the, what's the male counterpart for that? Uh, is there one? In as much as there is one, yeah, because it's it's it's. Um, I think it's the youth and the warrior and the king. Youth warrior, but king. you can also go. It's the youth and the maiden, the father with the mother. Yeah, and the sage with the crown. That's that's that that feels that that I think is what it is. Yeah, again. but I don't really remember. Like, I mean, you 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 see more of the maiden mother crone. Like, you see it in the in Sandman. You see it in oh, like, popular man. culture and like the Hecate and all that kind of stuff. And it's it's a it's a real like the three fates of Greek mythology. Totally. But yeah, I mean, there there's there's that counterpart. And again, there's there's ways of kind of there's ways in which those are very similar to each other. And then there's kind of shades of difference between them. Um. But yeah, like it's it's the stages of life in some ways as well. And it's just And I mean Maiden Mother Crone is is kind of interesting because again, this is one that comes out of kind of a more you know, that 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 Greek myth kind of idea of the three stages, but like most of them are defined relationally. Like mm-hmm. you're a maiden if you're a virgin. Yeah. You're a mother if you're married mm-hmm. and you have children. And Crone is the only one who stands apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so Crone is kind of always the most fearsome and the most powerful. Because it's separate. Because she's separate, because she doesn't need anybody. And yeah. we'll talk in the next chat we have actually about like that power of removing yourself from humanity and, and, mm. and how that taps into a lot of strength, but also a lot of like... And fear. Messiness. Well, fear. And well, other people fear, will fear yeah, you. Absolutely. Um, There's a reason people fucking burnt witches because they were the, they were the old women who lived yeah, outside of town. Like, yeah, 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 totally. Shit's scary. <clears throat> and they, they were the you know in in some ways the female sages or yeah. uh, called the witches and called the crones and the hags and the kayaks, um, because because of that. But you know the the thing that helped me tell that story was was a comment you you made about the fact that Cucullin can't get out of warrior youth. Or youth yeah, warrior. Yeah, Cucullin dies a boy. You know, he's, he is a boy. He's He wants to be a warrior. I think he's always ascribing stri- to be a great warrior. Yeah, but a warrior is a boy. as far as he gets. Yeah, yeah, that's as far as he gets. He doesn't yeah. get to father. He doesn't get, really. No. He and like the, get to... the kind of Campbellian prescription for that is that you go from warrior to king mm-hmm. or die. Yeah. Like not all warriors make it. Mm-hmm. And and Cucullin is one. Cucullin is very much someone who dies a boy. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you know, his, his, his attempted fatherhood ends with him killing his son. Exactly. Like he's not, but, but the, I think the kayak and it's that thing of like, he's kill, he's defeated by his pride every time because every time. he's never able to step outside his role as warrior to say, no, actually there's a bigger thing going on here than my duty and my honor and my place in the tribe. Mm-hmm. 
And so he's never able to get into a more expansive space. No. And so he he will never grow up. Because there is something about like, and I don't think this is a male-female thing. I think this is a maturity, a, matur- a maturation, maturation thing. Maturation thing, yeah. I think there is, there is a moment. <laughs> Struggle with that one. There is, I did. Oof. There's an internalization of rules and mores and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah, But yeah. there's also a moment at which everybody has to kind of go, well, where does this actually sit with me? Right. And does this actually sit with me? And how how does this feel with me and my values and my sense of integrity and my sense of purpose? And if it doesn't chime with that, there are those, you know, the the for me, the fundamentally kind of mythically immature thing to do is to sit on it and swallow it and go back into the crowd. Whereas the the actual risky but necessary for your own development thing is to stand up and say, hey, the group that I'm part of, this thing we're doing, I think is maybe not okay. And like, we all know the risk of that. Yeah, to go against the tide. Because it's to go against the group. It's to go against the tide. And like, I think everybody comes to that point in their life. Mm -hmm. And I think everybody, you know, listening to this can think of a moment or two moments where that choice was presented. Certainly, yeah. And, you know, will again, because it, it comes up. Yeah, and, and it's the refusal of the hero, and I'm using hero in terms of your own personal journey and your own her- hero's journey. It's the choice to, you know, take the dark night of the soul, that moment where you kind of admit that you've lost something or everything, I acknowledge that, you know, mm. grief, despair, loneliness, that aspect of, of whatever you're dealing with, and, you know, try and work through it by meeting it head on opposed yeah. and that's what I think and, it kind of again, represents like it's the death <laughs> I was going to say be careful of your laptop about 20 minutes ago but no, I didn't but it, yeah but it's it's also there's a reason why most of the warriors die before they become kings is because that's a that's a risky thing to do yeah to stand up to the group you're part of and oh, say this okay. thing that we're doing I think is that's going to tip this thing that we're doing, I think it's not okay, is like an extremely risky proposition. Sorry, I just dropped my laptop again. But you nearly just dropped my <clears> laptop again. Um, I think that's a good place for us to bring this chat to a close. Okay. Because we've talked with the kayak, we've talked with La Crew, and how she created the landscape, and how she kissed Cullen, but, well, he never, never He didn't did. kiss her he back. Didn't kiss her back. And he ran away from it, and as a result, never reached that kind of... Yeah. I mean, I think... <clears throat> there were several moments where he had the opportunity and there were always several moments there where we have the opportunity <laughs> um, and he never did he never, he did. never did it he, he died, couldn't quite he kiss the hag couldn't quite kiss the hag thanks very much for listening guys we'll be back uh, with more Mythic Places we're continuing this series uh, click subscribe and like the video uh, sharing and is caring and all the rest of it and if yep. you want to support the podcast you can go patreon.com forward slash candlelight tales the links are below and you can uh, listen out for more stories coming very soon on the candlelight tales podcast chat to you next time hey